I'm very pleased to announce that Parachute has passed the stage of the relocation process where she was wandering around the apartment, uh, growling under her breath, oh. sort of perpetually oh. for about 24 hours. Oh. Uh, and and she, hissing. Hissing. Oh. Hissing and growling. And she, oh. she kind of wanted to be pet. She wanted us to pet her and kind of scratch her cheeks a little bit, but she also kept growling while we oh. were doing that. Which was a little scary. Oh. Yeah, it was. Hello, and welcome to Good-Looking People in Small, Clever Rooms that Utilize Every Centimeter of Available Space with Mind-Boggling Efficiency. I'm Andrew, and I'm here with Brianna, this time from South Dakota, where we have, for the first time in our adult lives, access to a dishwasher. Yeah! We just tried it, and it works. Whoa! Wow. As always, we're joined by my mom, Norma. Hello. And by our friend, Vinny. Hi! So uh, this reading was a long-ish one. Um, it, we're still on uh, kind of the celebrations for Interdependence Day, and we're watching uh, Mario's film about Onan, the formation of Onan, um, with a few sort of vignette interludes with Lyle and, and other things. And a quick look at Steeply and Marat out on the... Yes, yeah, yeah. still out there. It's getting still cold now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And one really troubling story oh, from... Oh, yes, the very, very upsetting AA. story from AA. Yeah. The little thing about Marat and Steeply is just a couple paragraphs at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I wonder if I can remember anything that I've read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a while ago. Uh, but there, there, there are all there are always these little things that I read and I say, huh? And this one was something about that Marat, the shirt that Marat wore was not of Hawaiian type. Yep. Why That's did interesting. Say that? Well, Why do you remember the that? thing about about Quebecois separatists kind of oh. aligning themselves with Hawaiian uh, oh. Hawaiian aesthetics? Oh, right, right, right. As, as both being some... victims of American imperialism. Right. Okay, so that's the reason. Okay. But yeah. so why would why would his windbreak why or why would the shirt not be a Hawaiian shirt? Then is Marat right. making some kind of a statement by not wearing a Hawaiian shirt? And and there's also a mention about something about Marat's betrayal, uh, through Marat's betrayal. What and Marat remained unsure what exactly it was that Steeply wished to learn from him or verify through Marat's betrayal. Right. So I, I, think, yeah. I think it means that Steeply is prompting Marat's betrayal of his fellow wheelchair oh. assassins. Oh. Yeah. By inducing him to be this double agent. Yeah, that's, that's what I took from it, too. Same. The other but, thing that's... <laughs> but I do agree that it is a little ambiguous what Steeply really wants yeah. right. from Marat. Right. Mm -hmm. The other thing that continues to confound me is Steeply as, um, as Helen. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> because I keep getting hung up on how Oren and his football playing friends are rather smitten with Helen and that that there's something really alluring about her persona and yet like describing describing uh, steeply here in this little this little section it talks it it really describes his face as really being like i don't know it describes his face as unflattering and yeah, but again, uh, we're know, looking the, at it. We're looking at his. That's that's how I think Marat would describe his face. I don't think that we can say the narration is like objective. Okay. There. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I've also been kind of keeping track of the differences between how Helen is described and everything, and I think it does meaty, basically. But. Yeah. But he's described as the meaty electro electrolyzed face of Steeply. Yeah, but like you could, I mean, like if you could, you could take any attractive person and describe them in a way that made them sound unattractive. I guess. And like we know, we know for a fact that multiple professional football players find Helen Steeply attractive. Yes. Yes. So. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think that we can say she's like objectively ugly or something. I mean, even that. The idea do, that there is something as objective ugliness is a little we, troubling to me. Do we believe hmm. that Marat <laughs> knew Steeple before he had this uh, this undercover uh, job assignment. as being assignment? I, I get as the being sense. Helen? Like, did he know him when he had his? You know, I get the sense that they know he, that they've known each other for a long time, and. There's even a thing, I've, there's no chance that I would be able to find it now, but I feel like early on in their meeting, it says something about how uh, Steeply's, Steeply's Quebecois French is a lot better than Marat's English or something oh, like that. So maybe. Yeah. Which makes me That's wonder something. whether Steeply is Canadian. Possible, hmm. huh? It also, maybe. that... That could also explain if he's if he knew him embracing his his masculine face with his, you know, his beard and his maybe maybe it's just that Marat has never that it, it yeah, all that seems so like a, weird. A strangeness it seems so or weird. A, like like yeah. when he looks at Steeply's face as Helen, he he can't forget Steeply's face as his male persona. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. Yeah. He just can't forget it. So that could be. And they're still on the ledge. Yep. They're still, still on that ledge. I don't think even they know how they're getting down. And I've no, lost I, track of yeah, how long I they're think there. They said it's, that. Still, it's just <laughs> still in the 24 hours. Right, right. Yeah. So it's, they they, they've been it. there long enough that it's it's getting cold. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think we can assume that it's like probably completely dark by this dark, point or close yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. So then we have this little thing about... Uh, um, Lyle. Lyle. Uh, so Lyle helped James O. develop the notions of found drama and anti-confluentialism, uh, which is a term that gets used a few times in this chapter and these endnotes. And I'm not sure that we have an actual definition of it yet. Does anyone remember one? The anti-confluentialism. Yeah. It's that. It's that. It's like infinite jest. It's like. Pieces are sort of, sort of related, but they don't 
they don't converge nicely into a single line? Is that sort of it? That they don't really exactly that, come together? That's kind of, but that's it's kind of my of, understanding of it. I, I don't, I, don't I mean, I think that's, that that's just... I, that's just what I get from the word and kind of right. the attitude of James O's films. Right. I don't know that anyone's actually strictly defined it for us. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, there is a, a lot of talk about found drama, like what that is and what it what it means and how James O used it uh, in this kind of lengthy ish endnote. That's a transcript of. Uh, Helen Steepley's interview with Oren. Which is quite interesting. There's some interesting yeah. stuff there. Yeah. Um, Oren, er, so early in that endnote, Oren mentions a couple of filmmakers who have come up uh, before and, and one who, I, who hasn't, but I looked into. So he, he talks about uh, Lang and Andre Brisson and Maya Darren as being like not really in fashion anymore. The, the old artish directors. Um, but also more abstract anti like post new wave filmmakers like Hollis Frampton. Um, and he, he, uh, mentions a Canadian filmmaker named Godbu, uh, who I looked into a little bit. That's Jacques Godbu, who is a Quebecois filmmaker and writer, um, mm. perhaps best known for his 1967 docufiction feature kid sentiment, which, uh, I tried to watch, but I could not find a subtitled version online. It's a, all the clips I can find are just in French without subtitles, mm -hmm. but it's like a story of four teenagers in Quebec, um, kind of bumming around the city and it's interspersed with like unscripted interviews that he did with the actors. Um, about their own lives and kind of their ambitions. Uh, he also, I, I knew that I knew his name from somewhere and I found, I, I realized that it's because he made a 1992 observational documentary called the black sheep about the Meech Lake accord that we've previously talked a little about uh. found drama then is just this almost meaningless term that yeah. James O and some of his critic friends started putting forth as uh, kind of a practical joke on the like avant-garde film community. Uh, basically, they'd just choose a random person from the phone book and say that this person's life from this time to this time is found drama but they wouldn't really do anything about it right they would yeah and, and they wouldn't like they wouldn't try and find that person or find out anything about them they would just sort of sit in a bar and imagine what their life would be like during that hour yeah right and they did this and and they did this kind of because because james james o didn't say that he was upset that critics said his films had no engaging plot Right. Yeah. That, uh, even even amongst his his uh, like people who were fans of his, they said plot was his weakness. And then and then there, so there's Lyle a, there's a out. yeah there's, there's a an article that's mentioned in the footnotes that I thought was a great title for a uh, like a uh, critical piece. Watching grass grow while being hit repeatedly over the head with a blunt object. <laughs> Fragmentation <laughs> and stasis in James Owen Candenza's films. <laughs> Oren also mentioned that most arty directors, I think, get more abstract as they go on. Mm. And that made me think about the 
uh, kind of dichotomy between being a technician versus being an artist. Yeah. And how yeah. Oren seems yeah. to be drawing the parallel between himself being more a technician and moving towards artistry as opposed right. to the opposite direction. Right, because he says most everybody goes from the... Go, becomes more abstract, but he said that James James O was the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's funny because going I, experimental to narrative as opposed to the opposite direction. To, yeah, Andrew? I thought that's what it was saying. Mm -hmm. Is that true? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I th I think what he's saying is yeah that it's it. He says that it's more common for a filmmaker to start out really. Uh, pursuing narrative and like pop culture kind of entertainment right. films and then gradually become more abstract. Um, that's, I, I'm not a film historian and not a, a scholar of a lot of artists, but I think that that's not as universally true as you might assume. Like there are a lot of filmmakers who, who start out very abstract and, and wind up making popular entertainment films. Mm. Well, and it's Oren that's saying that. And what does Oren right. know about filmmakers in general? He knows about his father, who he also described. He said, he said that they, I think the family, the brothers, I don't know, that they, they often thought James O was funny. They thought he yeah. was funny, mm -hmm. which well, he doesn't yeah, that, sound like that, a that funny some guy. Of his, <laughs> that some of his most abstract work was his funniest. But that's not the James O we've seen. I haven't really seen anything that would make me think he was funny. Mm. I think sardonic maybe fits. Maybe. I think that yeah. if yeah. if found drama is indicative of his sense of humor, it's probably very dry and biting. And like I, I think the the idea or, or the project of found drama as a sort of a performance piece that lambastes the the critic the film critic community. Like, that's sort of funny, but it's also very cynical in a way that I can't latch onto it as something that I'm particularly interested in thinking about. <laughs> um, there's a uh, Roger Ebert re fam famously reviewed, I think, Pink Flamingos and gave it no stars. And he said something like... Um, it's not that I think this is a terrible film. It's just that criticizing this film is like criticizing the weather. There's just not really any point. <laughs> That's kind of right. how I feel about this right. found drama thing. Right. There's also just a little blip somewhere, and I can't remember if it was in the end note or where, but they mentioned that something like James O. almost had his own reserved room at McLean Hospital. Oh, so yeah. Was yeah, he that in was and out of the psych? Was he in and out of the... Was McLean a have was that be as was a psychiatric patient or, or was it as detox? I don't know. I mean, maybe a combination. Mm, maybe. Yeah. So clearly, uh, Helen steeply did interview Oren. One only clearly, wonders yes. what else was contained in the interview. Right. <laughs> dun dun dun. I mean, dun dun dun. Because that's just a little piece about mm -hmm. James O's films. Mm-hmm. Which, as we know, was not necessarily... Well, maybe it was the main point. I guess it is a point of his interviewing. Oren says that the jokes theory was there's no audience and no director and no stage or set because the mad stork and his cronies argued in reality there are none of these things. Yeah. And the protagonist doesn't know he's the protagonist in a found drama. 
um, which reminded me a lot of the conversationalist. Yes. And mm. how we talked about, is it possible that himself was filming that conversation for without the film knowing that he was it, in his it uh, could be. filmography that definitely is mm -hmm. sounds like something that he would do although presumably Hal would find out if he wound up in one of his father's films right or is this or was that conversation part of this found drama that then inspired that could be the film i don't yeah. know but um, interesting to chew on yeah that that section that that thing that oren says about there's no audience and no director um and the protagonist doesn't know he's a protagonist because in reality nobody thinks they're in any sort of drama uh reminded mm -hmm. me a lot of an essay that i wrote for my nonfiction poetics <laughs> class in grad school <laughs> that i i think i mentioned as just a throwaway like you can read this on my website thing um I think I called it self-consciousness performance and the technical monster. Um, that does sound familiar. Yeah. That basically is... Uh, so, so it's informed by the writings of Irving Goffman, who is a social scientist in the uh, 60s primarily. Um, he wrote a book called The Presentation of Self in Everyday Life that draws a lot on dramatic theory and kind of puts forth the idea... That or, or the metaphor that all of us all the time are performing for each other in countless miniature dramas every day. Um, so it's, it's this idea that we kind of dramatize our own notion of self. And yes, in fact, we do think of ourselves as protagonists pretty much all the time in everything that we do. Just to say that perhaps, uh, perhaps that station, statement isn't as uncontroversial as Oren thinks that it is. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. It's also, we get another little peek into their family. Just, mm -hmm. just because they talk about what everyone called James O. Or right. says that he and Hal called him the, the sad stork, and Moms was the first to say himself. Uh, but Hal, Hal mostly said himself, uh, God knows what Mario used to call him. Uh, who knows? And then he says, I called him the mad stork. Yeah. So another Freudian slip. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have this uh, this scene shift back to the AA meeting. Which yeah. Is, this is very Woof. grim and I don't really have anything to say about it. I don't think like I continue to understand why these stories are here, I think. Um and the narration itself kind of gets into it too, that like the, the rest of the people in the group are paying this person the highest compliment they can by uh, consciously trying to remember even to blink as they watch her and listen, identifying without effort. Um, but I, yeah, it's not, not a passage that I have any interest in discussing at any length unless other people yeah. have something to say. It's similarly, it's similarly awful to the other one that we heard at the AA meeting that the, yeah. Yeah. That the members didn't want to hear because did what happened to you cause yeah. Yeah, your addiction yeah. and are you going to take responsibility like, yeah, it, it was mm -hmm. kind of similar. It was horrifying. 
Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because the members listen to this account and feel more uh, compassion for her than they did for the previous one. Isn't that true? That they say, yeah. yeah. Uh, so their their problem they, they with they feel the, like she they feel like she's been punished enough. Well, also their problem with the previous one was that the speaker seemed like she was trying to fi- like provide explanations for why she had no choice to become an addict. Yeah. Whereas that doesn't seem to be the attitude of this speaker. Right. So it's it's you can have terrible things like truly awful horrific don't even want to don't we don't even want to discuss them things happen to you, but it's in how you how you present it, and it's that doesn't, yeah. and it's very close. They they actually presented them very similarly, mm-hmm. except that there was just the slightest touch of. This is how I this is how I got to this point versus this is part of the point that I've gotten to, kind of. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? Like yeah, yeah. Like you can talk about the bad things that have happened to you with without rejecting the notion of personal responsibility for any of them. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. So, yes. And then we're back at uh, (laughs) back at Lyle and kind of talking about James and James O and Lyle. Um, And poor Mario is there, too, just kind of sleeping, standing up. Yep. Uh, Lyle would sometimes start to get tipsy, uh, even though he wasn't drinking because he'd be licking James O's sweat and would begin to excrete the bourbon. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. I find that hilarious. Yeah. Um, but slightly troubling. Mm Mm-hmm. The whole licking of the sweat is troubling. It's hard not to be troubled every time I hear it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just makes me think of, you know, the dogs I've had in the past who really love <laughs> to do that. Lick yeah. your sweaty arms. And that they'd go on and on and how how it was okay like the first couple licks, but then as they got more uh uh focused and intense, it was really gross. <laughs> We used to have contests as children to see who could <laughs> who could sit still the longest while Pixie, our Chihuahua, licked us, starting from our fingertips. If you could oh. let her get all the way up to your elbow, you were treated with great respect that you could sit there that long. Because she had a very tiny tongue, so it took a long time to get all the way up to the elbow. I've got a vocabulary. Oh, yeah. Um, Good. Either chime or chime. As in, incandented, open up, and pour his heart's thickest chyme right yeah, out there for all mm-hmm. to be affected and potentially scarred by. Yes, yeah, so that is do, 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 a semi-fluid mass into which food is converted by gastric secretion and which passes from the stomach into the small intestine. Ew. Gross. Yeah. Like your cud, like a cow's cud or a, yeah. yeah. Right? Like the, yeah. it also mentions also just after it mentions his, his heart's thickest chyme, it also uh, mentions that uh, James O, if he had to grade his marriage, he'd give it a C minus. Yeah. yeah. I have questions um, because We've talked about James O and how we're kind of 
skeptical about his ability to form meaningful relationships right. with much of anybody. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so I guess my core, I guess I, I have wonderings or musings about that and whether he's reflecting on, is this a self-reflection thing that he's doing or is it, or is it more of the externalizing of blame that parallels the AA meeting. So like it's maybe it's Avril's fault that it's a C minus. I don't I don't know. I think that for all for all of his faults, James O strikes me as a pretty self-aware person. Um so if I mean just based on no context whatsoever, if I had to guess, I would say he's probably implicating himself in that C minus. It's just so, so I mean, it could, so it could be. It, it, I like the reference back to the AA meetings. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. That it, that so you can say it's a C minus, and are you are you saying it to explain why you are wh- where you are, which is an alcoholic uh, who can't have who who has no uh, close relationships really with real relationships with people. And that it's right. because his marriage isn't good that this has come to him, or is it he has a C minus in his marriage because that's part of what's wrong. That's that's part of yeah. that's that's part of the addiction reaction. The, it, yeah, I like that connection. It would make mm-hmm. it makes sense having that little that little chunk come after the AA meeting. I often mm-hmm. wonder how he decides where he slips these little these little vignette things in and why and why and they must they have to connect somehow it's not linear so it must be also i thought that uh the that lyle would start to read william blake in the voices of various cartoon characters Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) William Blake famously of Tiger Tiger Burning Bright Mm, in the forest of the night I Mm. can't think Mm. of another William Blake poem except that I know the companion to the tiger poem is the lamb oh yeah yeah I believe so Yes. Yeah, I I don't I don't know his writing that well either. I I just know of him as being kind of a nutty, like kind of spiritualist guy and or yeah, or, there or are mystic lots of... sort of. I I heard uh, Ginsburg read Blake. Oh yeah, live yeah. Oh. Cool. Blake yeah, shows my age. Religious <laughs> views. He attacked conventional religion in his own day. His rejection of religiosity was not a rejection of religion per se. Uh, oh, he wrote The Marriage of Heaven and Hell. Okay. Um, he lists in that piece uh, several proverbs of hell, among which are the following. Prisons are built with stones of law, brothels with bricks of religion. And as the caterpillar chooses the fairest leaves to lay her eggs on, so the priest lays his curse on the fairest joys. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, There's a 
I, I know there's a story of him hallucinating that he's been visited by the ghost of a flea that's like the size of a man and very strange looking. I think he did an etching of it or something. Oh, if, I yeah. right. if you get a chance, you should listen to recordings of Ginsburg reading Blake. I can still, uh, yeah, it's I'll have been to see years if I can and years find ago. Some. I remember the uh, tiger, tiger burning bright in the forest of the night. Whose immortal hand and I could frame thy fearful symmetry? Yeah, I can imagine that in his voice. <laughs> Those were not the correct words, I'm sure, but the, the inflection. That's, I think that's close. The inflection. Well, he, uh... The inflection. I can still hear him. He's very impressive. So this is this is Mario <laughs> introducing his film at the the banquet. I guess it's a banquet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, yeah, is, you know that's what? My general, you know yeah. what? This thing. So I got sucked into like I was just trying to picture it, and so I got sucked into listening or listing what hats people were wearing. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's that end note that's just it all the different hats, on right? And on and on <laughs> and on, and nobody has. Uh, they don't have hat, like like there's not repeat hats. Like there's not. No. A lot of people wearing baseball caps and a lot of, you know, it's like like the caps are each unique and really um, strange. And mm-hmm. I got to thinking that and what they they put whipped cream on Mario's head with a cherry or something on, on, his, oh, camera. Yeah. on his camera so that that can serve as a hat. And mm-hmm. there's some uh, foreign student visiting or foreign. Yeah, there's like they, a Syrian satellite a pro. Yeah. Yeah, yep. and they yeah. get him a hat. Uh, Isn't that nice? And <laughs> it is. And and it's also, like, so extravagant. All of yeah. these kids. I mean, they must plan it. It's like five-year-olds planning for their Halloween costume next year. <laughs> you know, they, think, they mm-hmm. talk about it and think about it all year. And any time you bring it up, they would be willing to talk at length about what their plans are. And you just get the sense... That these students have, where did they get the hats? They had to search for them. They had to order them on. Did they order things online? I don't know. Did they, did they go out to, how, how did they get all these really odd and, and just difficult to find hats? They're not something you just find going to a store. Yeah. Um, and, and so they're and this, all prepared for this. And they all have them. It reminded me a lot because I'm, I'm re-listening to the Harry Potter audiobook to see yes. where, what needs to be done. And I just couldn't get over it sounding a lot like the chapter that I read, which was the first year's coming and the, the naming ceremony. And then the, the thing afterward where they're bellowing out the school songs and the, you know, it, I just thought it sounds just like Hogwarts. Like yeah, Hogwarts yeah, celebration. absolutely. Yeah, it's so uh, this bizarre. Is, this is uh, we get we get more evidence here that uh, also that Avril apparently just kind of has a thing for the Wicked Witch. She <gasps> wears a witch's yeah. hat. I didn't make she that does. connection. She, uh-huh. she, it sounds like she wears it every year for Interdependence oh, Day cow. and for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we also, we still don't know why. She but. also she wears her witch's <laughs> hat and a microfiltration mask. Mm-hmm. Yes. At last, somebody in fiction practicing proper proper uh, safety protocols. Right. 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 Yeah. 
I've been looking for. In it. fact, this whole this whole thing with with Johnny Gentle, I I just felt at home reading because I I've been doing this. I've told Brianna this that I, I we've been in this hellscape for so long now yes. that like anytime I watch a movie and there's like a crowd of people, I can't. My brain just will not stop setting off alarm bells that they're not social distancing. Yep. And so finally. There's some people here taking things seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And well, uh, before we get into Johnny Gentle, I think it's also important that um, we ask the question, what is everybody's favorite hat? Ooh. Yeah. You know, the um, one that really sticks with me, I think because I find it the most troubling and I can't figure out exactly how it would work, is that the Vought twins are wearing a freakish bowler with two domes and one brim. Yeah. Right. I'm right. very troubled by that. That 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 well, one's probably the one that I find most memorable. Well, isn't that um because they have their they're conjoined together. Yeah. Conjoined. Yeah. yeah. Although yeah. although they if they're wearing a hat like that, then they wouldn't be able to turn their heads independently either. I don't think. Hmm. Well, who really needs to look in two different directions? <laughs> right, right, yeah. Okay. One um, of mine... Hmm. Oh. Go, yeah, go ahead, Vinny. No, go. Okay. Um, mine would probably be Mary Esther Thodes. Yeah. Uh, which is just cardboard propped up that just says hat on it. <laughs> that, that seems <laughs> yeah, like a really very good. Mary Esther Thode thing to do. That yeah. seems really good. The one I could see myself wearing is probably the slanted noir-style fedora mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. worn by Melissa Kent. Yes. Uh, mostly because I, I own a fedora. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wrote so many. I'm In my list, I wrote so many little, squeezed Ooh. together so many little notes that I can't read them now. <laughs> oh, no. no. Uh, also, the large plaid beret. Oh, that's what mm, I was going to say. Cool. Tina oh, yeah. Act or whatever. And that one, yes. I really pictured it because they describe it as like, it's obviously way too big for her. Covers it falls half down her little over head. her face. Yeah, her yeah. little mm -hmm. head. Yeah. And then there's the, there's the, like the bear skin. That's like a, like the Buckingham Palace Guard, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Kind of like that. Yeah. That'd be good. But again, that begs the question of how? How did they <laughs> acquire these hats? Right. There's yeah. one, there's the, there's a, a, some of them I had to look up. There's a Calipac cal or something, Calipac, that's a hmm. Turkish, like a Turkish thing, a Turkish hat. There's the. A Harkibus? Harkibus, a Harkibus, early... which is a, it's it's kind of a middle military hat, I think. I I looked them up. I I I once knew what they were. It's also <laughs> interesting to note that with all these wild hats, Hal wears a black preacher's hat with a stern yeah. round yeah. downturned yeah. brim, <laughs> which is pretty mild and and plain. In reference to, to the Exorcist, maybe. Oh, maybe. No, I think I'm with Vinny, though. I think I like the 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 cardboard that says hat. Yeah. Yeah. Very postmodern. Although, although I am a, an admirer of Mario's uh, whipped cream topping hat. Yes. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's also, we find out in the earlier end note, 147, that one of the reasons why the Interdependence Day banquet is happening right now is that CT has not yet learned about the eschaton oh, debacle. Right. Because right. he got in yeah. late from somewhere. Yeah. And so yeah, there's Av- all this. Avril knows. Uh-huh. And, and she's, she's trying, trying to, to figure out how how to how to influence the the repercussions so that Hal doesn't get in big trouble. Right. 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 So this is I have question I have a question mark here. So it's talking about uh, how to, how to make upper class heads uh, roll as of course they must. Uh, without those heads, including that of Hal, who, unlike, thank God, John, was identified right. at the scene with that pemulous person. Right. So is it John Wayne? Is that the only John I, we I, know? That's the, I think that's the only John that we know. But why is that of particular concern to Avril? Is it just that he's like their star player and so they don't want to discipline him? Or, right. I mean, I or think because that he's Canadian? Point. Or, or maybe or it because could be he's a, Canadian. a diplomatic problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or that she just. Yeah, I don't know. Where is that? He's the one That's that got the, the he end got of the scholarship, right? Didn't footnote. he get the, the oh, okay. James O. scholarship to come? No, that was Pemulus got the, yeah, got the Pemulus uh, did. optics research Didn't scholarship. John Wayne, John Wayne got some kind of a. I'm sure. I, I'm sure he's a full ride. He's the one who's like top ranked in the in the right. country. There was and there was some funny and funny weirdness about how he came to be there. I thought that he was. Yeah, I I forget exactly the story of his recruitment. Yeah. But I know that we've yeah. heard some about him. He's yeah, the one so from the little asbestos mining town in yeah. Canada. Yeah. And we do know that uh, Avril has a good relationship with John, right? Like, she likes John Wayne? I think we know that. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, yeah, there was, was that... that... That family dinner or something that she doesn't like Pemulus, but she like. Oh, was that somebody else? Somebody else that yeah. she likes. Was it Trelch or... No, not maybe. Trelch. Um, Shot, maybe, or someone like that. I'm not sure. Maybe, yeah. Mm. But that was such a funny way to put it, the thank God John wasn't... Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they also mentioned there that CT is also distracted. So he's, so he was away, right? At some, mm-hmm. something, some fundraising events. thing. Yeah. And he mm-hmm. got back just in time for this celebration. And he's also distracted trying to prep for Helen Steepley's visit to campus. Right. Oh, yes. yeah. Which makes you wonder if, if, that's who was in the car at the I did, that, debacle. That did occur mm. to me, yeah. Was that Helen in the in the green Ford? Mm. Except it, this makes it sound like Steeply wasn't there. Helen wasn't there yet, but she might have yeah. been. She might have yeah. been. Or maybe it, maybe it was more uh, AFR people, like knowing that Steeply's oh. going to be there. They're also oh, there checking things be. out. Oh be. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then, so then Hal knows. Hal doesn't know if Mom's knows about Eschaton <laughs> fiasco. Right. Yeah. And he and he says he'll ask Mario after the film. <laughs> Mario <Yeah>. will know. <laughs> Mario will know whether Mom's knows. So there's this under undercurrent of anxiety. Everyone's waiting. It's like you. They got a reprieve. The shoe hasn't fallen yet, but of course it will. 
Mm-hmm. Somebody's wearing the one of the crushed beanies, right, for their hat. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, is that Lord? No, it's not Lord. Oh, it's uh, Josh, it's not. Josh Gopnik. That's Josh right. Gopnik. Oh, okay. Who was South Africa, I believe. He's not the one that threw the tennis ball, was he? Or hit... hit uh, mm. no, 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 it isn't. Okay. So there's that, there's that sort of Paul. Well, there's not really a Paul. They're like celebrating while they can. You kind yeah. of get mm-hmm. the feeling. Yeah. This also, that whole thing just seemed like a Hogwarts thing. Mm-hmm. That there's some big celebration and yet there's some undercurrent of, uh, of uh, secrets floating around that are going to explode, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And yeah. wondering of who knows what and and who's on whose side and how's it all going to play out. Well, sh- should we talk about the film then? I feel like we're we're getting into it here. Yeah. Sure. Um, so this is it's uh, like Mario's remake or kind of Mario's own version of James O's film, The Onantiad. Yeah, um, that he had made several years before, right? When he was much younger. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they it, describe it as like first, a kids a kids adaptation of the yes, well, an movie. adaptation for kids. Although it seems much more popular with adults and like the adult, right. more adolescent students and not the younger students, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, so it's a puppet show. And we also have to have to think about Mario. So this is Mario's moment to shine. It's been mentioned other times, right? In the book about that Mario has like center stage at this interdependence day celebration that his Mm -hmm. film is shown. And that it says that he neither likes nor dislikes the moment. And he neither, (laughs) he neither likes nor dislikes the film. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But he's there. I had to review James O's filmography to look again at at his movie that this is based on. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. It was a claymation, yeah? A claymation love triangle played out against live-acted, the live-acted backdrop of the inception of Onan. And the other other thing that's confusing is that it says that that it's an adaptation of James O's four-hour... Uh, yes. piece but then yeah. the filmography lists it as being it's 76 minutes so what's that about oh i have no idea that's an mm. odd inconsistency or is it just implying that it seems like four hours that it just goes on and on and, yeah i don't know yeah but that's weird huh? Mm-hmm. the whole puppet show thing like puppet show based on real events thing reminds me kind of of uh todd haynes's first movie uh superstar which is a like a biopic of karen carpenter told entirely with barbie dolls mm. oh um i've never heard of this How could I it's have very unusual it's it's almost impossible to see because it's uh uh cons- technically considered illegal art uh, it wasn't, mm. it was an unauthorized Use of biopic. Barbie? <laughs> was but, it an, uh, oh. Unauthorized, unauthorized biopic. Bi- biopic yeah. and probably unauthorized use of Barbie dolls. Yeah. False. Yeah. No? Because, fun fact, I know this because Denise Duhamel wrote a series of poems based on Barbie. 
Uh-huh. And uh, she can she could do that because Barbie is considered a public figure. Oh so you gosh. can parody You're kidding. and create uh, art based on or wow. using Barbie. That's fascinating. Wow. Oh, that is fascinating. That is seems it? that seems <laughs> counter <laughs> to how things usually work, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it seems like it shouldn't be allowed. Um <laughs> I remember during that conversation where she was talking about that, uh, there was also a conversation about Mickey Mouse and whether Mickey Mouse is considered a public figure. Mm. And technically he is, but because of Disney and Disney's copyright stuff, if you parody Mickey Mouse, it's a little more dangerous than parodying Barbie. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. like... So, like artists that use, you know, mixed media found found materials to make their visual art stuff. They, I guess, I've seen things that have Barbie in them in odd, or, you know, uh, mm-hmm. deconstructed Barbies in them. Or, but Mickey would be tough. I, I just think it's strange that that it's unusual. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I guess that's neither here nor there, but I enjoy that little bit of information, Brianna, and maybe I'll, you know, go out and buy up old Barbies at thrift stores when the pandemic is over and do something to them. I also just highly, highly recommend Denise Duhamel as a poet. She's fun. How do you spell her last name? Uh, D-U-H-A-M-E-L. Just like it sounds. Mm-hmm. Mm. Thank you. She liked the title of one of my poems. Yay! Oh, Which Nerds do it by the book. Mm. That's a good title. Nice. Continuing on, I feel like we just need to kind of wade through a bunch of these references. It's interesting, too, that it's uh, when they're describing or introducing the film, they say it's pretty obvious that someone else in the incandenza family had an, and there was a vocabulary word. Oh, amanuentic. Which yeah. it sounds like, like a ghostwriter or like a, not a ghostwriter. Like a Yes, an amanuensis. It's a, it? it's a term from composing. I know it because of uh, Cloud Atlas. Cloud Atlas. Like, There's a character it, who's, who's an amanuensis to a great composer. And it's like, you write down so, what they say, sort of. Is that kind what? of, yeah. I mean, it, it seems more collaborative than that. And the sense that I oh. get about amanuenses is that they're often kind of taken advantage of, and really they're often more responsible for the work than they're given credit for. So in, in, in a way, hmm. it is sort of like a ghostwriter? Yeah, I, I would say, yeah, maybe. Not like so some, saying, somewhere in between being a ghostwriter and being a transcriptionist. Hmm. Right. Okay. Right. Anyway, I assume that it's Hal. I assume that Hal helped Mario with this. I guess. And although I guess. So was this made after James O's death? It would have been because the cam- he didn't Mario didn't have the camera until it was willed to him. Oh, that's right. It's so weird because Hal doesn't seem that connected. Maybe, maybe Pemuel. Well, no, I, it's I think so it's weird. Hal. Hal did that. Uh, uh, tennis. They did tennis yeah. in the Feral Genius, and it seems like yeah. Hal probably wrote most of the voiceover for that. Right. 
I keep I keep getting hung up though on like how uh, Mario gets set up with his camera. Maybe that's coming kind of with that helps him like just getting it attached where it needs to be and yeah, getting all I, I assume the people help him, but I I mean I, I also think based on the things that Mario does, I think I have to assume that you know, he's capable of setting up a camera himself. It might take him a long time, but so he can does, do it. Are we are we supposed to are we being led to believe though that he is not capable of writing his own screenplay? I wonder about that. I I don't think that's the implication. It sounds to me more like writing isn't his chief interest. Mm-hmm. You know, like he could write, but maybe it's not his greatest strength. So do we believe that the stuff that that Mario produces is is hit like he it's his conception, it's his idea it's his or is it how and mario just does the technical work i no i don't think so i think until i have any evidence to the contrary i'm assuming that the that mario's films are like that he's the ultimate author of those things i agree okay. mm-hmm. there's um, always such little little offside comments about you know it's assumed that so, it's pretty obvious that somebody wrote it or it's it's right. It says that he choreographed it all and did most mm-hmm. of the puppet work and filming himself. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, there's a couple little just notes and references I have. I thought that the description of so it's talking about the rise of the clean U.S. party and Johnny Gentle that mentions the Democrats and GOP as doubles partners who each think the others surely got it. Um, mm-hmm. That feels really apt right now. <laughs> Oh, this whole thing was really, this whole thing <laughs> was a little <laughs> too close to real life. Yeah. Yeah. It starts, it starts with the, uh, the Johnny Gentle quote, the let the call go forth to pretty much any nation we might feel like calling, but the past has been torched by a new and Millennial generation of Americans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. yeah. See, there's a Johnny Gentle <laughs> supporter back there campaigning. Uh-huh. Yeah. So there's a bunch about like the kind of the geopolitical maneuverings of the Gentle administration in like scuttling NATO and developing a sort of a North America only version of NATO. Right. Um, doing this stuff with waste disposal. It sounds like uh, there's there's a lot of pollution in America at the time from um, from early annular fusion generators that hadn't yet figured out how to reuse the waste to right. like do further energy generating stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting that and there it, like was also... this this radioactive waste problem that's since been solved. Or like the the production, the problem of producing the waste has been solved, but there's still this all this all this waste to deal with. Let's shoot our waste into space. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, the first platform plank for Gentle's party. Yeah. 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 So clearly, there's some kind of it. There's an environmental disaster going on. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I think the other part that feels almost that feels too close is that. 
So you have this disaster, this environmental disaster, which we obviously have an environmental disaster going on, climate change. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you have this president uh, who has like really serious, uh, I don't know if you would say mental conditions, but you would say serious, um, well, he has OCD, they describe him as extremely OCD, right? So you have this guy who's extremely OCD, who uses, who uses his, uh, his own personality problem, his own mental health sort of problem to build his party and his platform. And so you have this really, you have a, you have this terrible disaster and you have this really rather dysfunctional person that gains power and somehow and pulls people in with him. Mm-hmm. And how can yeah. you think that there's going to be a good outcome? Yeah. I mean, it also, it reminds me a little of network. Have you seen network? Um, yeah, a long time ago. Howard Beale, the mad prophet of the airwaves who starts out as a, as a newscaster and then, uh, segues into just like ranting about things on the air and uh it seems at first like career suicide but then the network decides that the ranting he's doing is appealing to a bunch of people and so it can actually be lucrative to them even though he's kind of decrying the corporatism that they are pushing forward and so they put all this money into like developing this new persona and show for him and they've got this whole economy tied to him being the mad prophet of the airwaves uh, even as he's becoming more and more unwell and and like right suffering more and more at the hands of the system that's like boosting him to greater prominence. Mm-hmm. Right. There's also a a reference to I wish I could find it where it talks about it's like a union of Rush L and Hillary R C. So he's uh, the strange seeming but politically. Uh, prescient annular agnation of ultra-right jingoist hunt deer with automatic weapons types and far-left macrobiotic save the ozone rainforests whales spotted owl and high ph waterways ponytailed granola crunchers a surreal union of both rush l and hillary rc so obviously we're talking about rush limbo on limbaugh on the right mm-hmm. and then i wondered what was up what was hillary doing at this time, I don't time. know. I don't, and well, she, I she would have been mid mid nineties. She was pushing healthcare reform and mm-hmm. women's rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I would. You ever have described her as being far left, though? No. I mean, even, I mean, even I in the early nineties, I would have thought of her yeah. more as like center I think, left. I don't know the health. I think she was considered pretty far left with her health initiatives. Hmm. Did she was she pushing for a single payer? I don't think she ever pushed health? for single payer. She pushed for major, major, major reform, like, like healthcare a monster, reform, like a stuff. monster healthcare reform. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Uh, I she was con- that was considered pretty left wing, hard to swallow, hmm. pie in the sky. I think, and so everybody wrote Johnny Gentle off. Right? They they. He was a wacko. He was an OCD wacko kind of guy. Everybody kind of wrote him off and his party, the CUSP, which was mm-hmm. clean, what it, clean? Clean United States Party. Yeah. A kind of post-Perot national joke. 
for three years. <laughs> Until white-gloved finger on the pulse of an increasingly asthmatic and sunscreen-slathered and pissed-off American electorate, they suddenly swept to quadrennial victory in an angry, reactionary voter spasm that made the, the UWSA and LaRochers and Libertarians chew their hands in envy as the Dems and GOPs stood on either side watching dumbly. Mm-hmm. It, seems, mm-hmm. it just sounds so much like, like where we are politically. Yeah. I mean, yes. I think... It feel it does feel alien to me to hear the Democratic Party described as left wing, like the the idea mm. that the Dems are to the left of of Johnny Gentle, who's to the left of the Republicans. Uh, yeah, it just I don't well, know. It bespeaks it a, a, a the, very different era in two party politics. It, except it, I see I see Gentle like our current uh, White House occupant in that. They just don't, they're so oddly unequipped to do this job that they, mm-hmm. that they, like, like Gentle is, you know, he's running on cleaning up the environment in the USA. So in that way, he's very left, probably left lean. He's, you know, he's willing to put lots of money and focus and infrastructure into cleaning up the environment, which for us would sound like a left-leaning kind of mm-hmm. position. Mm-hmm. And yet he's very right-wing, like ultra-right-wing in his willingness to just run roughshod over everybody else in the world. More of a, you know, America first. Uh, like scapegoating sort of nationalist I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I thought when I read it that if I had read this book back when it came out, I would have l- read this and kind of laughed and thought, oh, that all is so crazy. Yeah. This is such a, like, what a funny view of the future. But now, reading it now, it's like, oh my God, this is a little too close to reality for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It's, it's funny how, how the time... The, the time when you read something does change how you perceive it, for sure. Yeah. And that also kind of goes into, like, um, Johnny Gentle's supporters wearing surgical masks and everything. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that and was how, a little too close, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, real close. And, yeah, that whole section, uh, you know, I'm just going to come right out and say that I think Johnny Gentle would make a good pandemic president. Yes, I think think he would take the threat seriously. Uh Yeah. Yeah, he would definitely take it seriously. Mm -hmm. Can we talk, though, about something that I was just thinking about reading this that's neither here nor there, really, except that Donald Trump is famously a germaphobe. Yeah. So what's up with that? Yes. What's up with that? And why why didn't he handle this better? I think that's a question that people are going to be asking for decades if, to come. If there's if there's two things that I know for sure that Donald Trump is afraid of, it's germs and stairs. Yeah. Yes. But but what about poor people? Uh, oh well, I don't know if that's, if that's fear so much as just like contempt. Loathing. Contempt. Well, okay. So so if 
the if the people that you loathe or find I guess contemptible maybe. are going to die maybe that's because it. of the thing that you fear yeah then maybe you can align yourself with the thing that you fear yeah, such that like, it um, benefits you yeah enemy of my enemy type thing yeah yeah, yeah also, i suppose he's also afraid of drinking liquids from a glass and he's also afraid of strong women mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes those things <laughs> those things too <laughs> and maybe animals Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think he's afraid. I, I believe that he's afraid of like all animals everywhere. Like all animals. Yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. It's so, it's kind of weird that he doesn't have a pet, not because mm-hmm. he would want a pet or be able to have feel like loving would, like, connection to a cat, to but voters. it would like he could trot it out and it yeah. could yeah, like yeah. maybe I don't know a pit bull or I don't know something. Yeah. So I think still, he's I mean, maybe afraid of animals. Hmm. Yeah, I think that, and I think he's also just afraid of anything that would take attention away from him. Oh, right. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah, that too. Oh, right. Yeah. Hmm. Right. Oh, right. But you were so talking about the enemy of, the enemy of my enemy, or the... Yeah. The, <laughs> the enemy of yeah. my enemy. Yeah. He did talk, this comes up, this has come up before it was about ETA, right? About the idea of the, the locker room complaining and the, you know, fu- the, yeah. oh, the yeah, students yeah. being upset about how tired they were and, and uh, that that's a, that, that, that the point of that is that they wanted them to, they wanted them to band together because they're all sort of, they're they're all sort of they're all complaining about the the coaching and the the coaches and the people that work them so hard so it really binds them mm-hmm. together as a group and that's really i later on in this section it comes out that that's the that that I was mean, they, gen, that's gentles thing right to get yeah. mm-hmm. to blame damn it there situation. just must be some people besides each other exactly. of us to blame exactly yeah. that's it that's yeah. the other thing that sounds frighteningly like our current leadership. And, and also, like mm-hmm. speaking of enemies and allies, I, I was really interested in the this brief mention of John Wayne and the handful of other Canadian students at this oh, screening. Yeah. They say this American penchant for absolution via irony is foreign to them. Mm-hmm. I really liked that. This idea that like as Americans, we can sit here and jeer at our unpopular president and in that way excuse ourselves from our complicity in the things that right. our government has done. Right. And the, yeah. ca- the Canadians remember only hard facts. The AFSME effectuators blowing pollutants to- north toward home. Uh, and they feel with special poignancy on 11-8 the implications of their being down here south of the border training in the land of their enemy ally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gentle pleaded for a promised end to Americans' fractious blaming of one another for our terrible downer-type internal troubles. Mm-hmm. But we can't do that. I mean, in, re- in reality, we can't, they, we can't stop doing that because that's, <laughs> that's the, uh, the engine that drives Facebook's user engagement. And if, if oh. we stop disagreeing with each other politically, then Facebook will lose money. Just fall down. Right. Um, it also mentions just in passing, where is that? On page 373, uh, the strange-colored... Strange colored skin of Johnny Gentle. <laughs> hmm, strange no. colored skin. It's just so, it's so, there's so much of it that is so, so relevant. 
talked about a new arid nation that looked out for UNO, of a one-time world policeman that was now going to retire and have its blue uniform deep dry cleaned and placed in storage in triple thick, thick plastic dry cleaning bags, hung up its cuffs to spend some quality domestic time raking its lawn, cleaning behind its refrigerator, dandling its freshly bathed kids. Mm-hmm. <sighs> President who asked us simply to sit back and enjoy the show, who had black hair and silver sideburns and the dusty brick-colored tan seen only among those without homes and those whose homes had a personal sterilization booth. So he that has, is he has on that. 383. Yeah, dusty brick-colored mm-hmm. tan. Hmm. Gross. Isn't that oh, a little that's, weird? That's the thing they described, though, about the sterilization booth that, like, burns off the outer layer of your skin. Well, maybe mm-hmm. that's what yeah. Donald Trump does. Maybe that's why his skin is so orange. Oh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> We've all assumed it's makeup, but <laughs> maybe he's sterilizing himself. Just, just the face. Just his face. Just his face. Like just the front part of his face. <laughs> I had I got such a kick out of Mario's puppets. Yeah. That are made by the craft class. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. With like the, the backup singers students. and the yeah. yeah 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 and and that they use and they have <laughs> the puppets were made by fourth and fifth grade crafts class and I I was particularly tickled so that they have they're wearing masks these puppets. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Under their and that under the puppets' masks, they use pa- painted fingernail pairings for smiles or frowns <laughs> that yeah. you can't see, obviously, because they're underneath the mask. But, but they <laughs> right. put them in there anyway. There's something there's, I uh, really liked about that. There's also a mention. Of, I thought this was a new idiocy, but you know those like masks, the, the masks that don't work because they have a hole in them that you can unzip for eating and drinking. <laughs> oh, there's yeah, a mention yeah. of one of those in here that the oh, yeah. uh, the Canadian uh, Prime mm. Minister has uh, is less muffled than last seen because his surgical mask gets to have a prandial hole. Uh, uh, incidentally, by the way, this is. Uh, uh, this Can- Canadian prime minister is a real person. I'm pretty sure gentle refers to him as JJJC. Uh, so I, I'm pretty sure this is Jean-Jacques Jean Chrétien, who was the oh. Canadian PM from 1993 to 2003. Oh. Also mm. amazing. I did not know this, that his name is Jean-Jacques Jean. Jean-Jacques Jean. Oh. Why did his parents <laughs> do that to Why him? Why did they do that? I don't know. Anyway, that's all I know about him. He seems largely unremarkable. Um, I don't know anything about his politics. <laughs> Although also Quebecois, there's this interesting trend in Canada mm. of like Quebecois politicians becoming prime minister. Because mm. there's Chrétien, there's uh, uh, Trudeau, um, well, both Trudeaus, and uh, there's another one in there too in the 90s, I think. They also, it's also interesting that Mario... It was Mario's idea to represent uh, President Gentle's cabinet as made up mostly of these black girl puppets mm. in shiny sequent dresses, mm-hmm. which he said is, of course, they say is, of course, historically inaccurate. Right. Of course. He didn't of course. Have, of course, he didn't mm-hmm. have black women in his cabinet. So then we have this, we, we return to Lyle down in the, in the weight room. Mm-hmm. That's supposedly that that is 
in theory, locked at night, but all the ETA students know how to jimmy the lock and get in to talk to him at night. His presence in the weight room at night kind of makes me feel like Lyle is secretly a ghost. Ooh. Well, not so secretly a ghost that there, all of the students kind of accept kind of live in the weight room. Yeah. Yeah. Why isn't mm -hmm. Lyle at the Interdependence Day banquet? Because Lyle doesn't question. leave the weight room. I can guess that's leave, right, yeah. Can't, he the, can't leave the weight room because he went somewhere with James O, right? Yeah, and there was but a thing it. where somebody mentioned that Lyle wasn't in the weight room, and it was very ominous, but oh. I don't remember when that was. Okay. Oh, Either. yeah. Also, I just realized that he eats only other people's sweat, so right. that could be difficult to yeah. watch if in the same room <laughs> and eating your that's own true. dinner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what? Before the before the the Lyle section, there was also just a mention of sort of sort of interesting that during the the celebration that's going on, that the Canadian students do not wear hats. Right, and they are uh, uh, they are unhatted, chewing stolidly, faces blurred and distant. Yeah, I guess I don't fully understand that. I mean, I guess the idea is that Canada and Mexico got the sticky end of the lollipop re-owning. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, hasn't it been long enough that kinks have been ironed out? Well, there's a mention in there. I, I don't have it highlighted. I don't know if I'll be able to find it. But there's a thing about where Gentle kind of used NAFTA as as the the carrot for getting... Mexico and Canada into Onan that if they didn't agree to be part of Onan and didn't agree to these terms that he would tear up NAFTA and yeah, he's, he's and it would decimate their economies and bullying and extortion to yeah. get them to say it was okay. So I guess I get that. It's like kneeling for the national anthem sort of right. but not putting the hat on. There was another vocabulary word there though too that I particularly liked. The je mm -hmm. jejun or jejun? Jejun, yeah. Jejun. Mm -hmm. Naive, superficial. Mm -hmm. Oh, I knew that! I didn't know it. I had mm -hmm. never heard that word. I only I only knew it once you said it aloud. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. or, uh, Lyle is talking, remembers talking to Marlon about a variety of things. It says that he told Marlon everything, everything he had to, to, to everything tell. he knew or something. Yeah. That was kind of mysterious, wasn't it? Yeah. He told Marlon everything. Yeah. Everything. Lyle knows a lot about yeah. a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Lyle. And Lyle then we have this this other vignette of Lyle talking to Lamont Chu, who right. is like obsessed with this idea of becoming a famous professional tennis player, and it's like causing him Crippling, to fear yeah. taking risks and right. yeah okay so i read that and i immediately was like ha 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 look it's indecision it's like hamlet and then um i read the the phrase rabid ambition and i'm like oh ha 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 that sounds like <laughs> Macbeth." and so um i would like to uh propose that lamont chu is a hybrid hamlet Macbeth. Mm. Oh. Although, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Although I guess Macbeth is also a little indecisive and has to be uh, prodded into action by somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So, well, at the beginning, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so take that for what you will. I like the, the truth will set you free, but not until it's finished with you. There's a yeah. Lyleism. <laughs> yeah. I also, I, I really appreciate Lyle's perspective on this whole issue with Lamont mm -hmm. also. And that his right. thing about to be envied or admired is not a feeling. There's no, there's no opposite feeling to envy. Um, mm -hmm. and fame is also not a feeling. To get out of your cage, you first have to be aware of the cage. Doesn't that mm -hmm. come up elsewhere in here too, somewhere about... There's a thing about... Uh, th there's there's the James O James O made some films called Cage, right? Mm, yes, yeah. right. That are about kind, of, and I think maybe that's one of Joel's things, like this idea that your your life or your own perception of the world is a cage that you can't escape, like your mind is its own cage. Mm. Oh, for sure. Right. <laughs> and that question, I keep getting it. I, I get it confused with the little fires everywhere that I read, because <laughs> there's cage mm -hmm. reference there too. And that, the the thing yeah. about is, are you are you trapped in a cage or are you the cage? Right, <laughs> right. Trapping yourself, <laughs> like. Mm -hmm. But that kind of seemed that kind of seemed similar here that. It's also kind of the whole, uh, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if you're if you're a kid and you're playing tennis and you you think, you know, that you just want to be, you just want to, you just want to be famous. Mm -hmm. uh, when you're famous, maybe you wish that you weren't famous. You know, right. you don't, or you don't. Actually, it's funny that you yeah. say that because that also aligns fairly well to where we are in watching Avatar The Last Airbender. Mm, and yes. <laughs> oh. um, the ostensible villain uh, is critiqued for uh, not thinking his plan all the way through. Like he gets to, he, he achieves the thing, but then what is he going to do next? Because he doesn't truly know what motivates him or what he wants. Um, uh -huh. So that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Just, uh, it is. Connections amongst media. This is a beautiful. Thing. <laughs> it, it, yes, it must. It must. So it must be a constant theme. Yes, it's yeah. like yeah, you want something a... so much, uh, and then when you attain it, you find out that it wasn't really. It wasn't really what you thought it would be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, and, and all... oh, go ahead. Sorry. I'm going no, to make go another ahead. connection, so you should finish go your thought. It. No, go for it. I was going to say that it's also uh, the Inigo Montoya from The Princess Bride. Yeah. Uh, he has been pursuing revenge so long, he doesn't know what to do with the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, yeah. Right. So if you're pursuing fame as a student... Yeah, what are you going to do with the rest of your life once you are finally famous? <laughs> once you're famous, then it's kind of like James O. Mm -hmm. mm. So he had this, he he invented annual fusion. I mean, there's no bigger, there's no bigger breakthrough in the world of energy and science, right? Mm -hmm. And then what? Mm -hmm. So then what? Then what? It's... Then art. Yeah. Then yeah. art. I, I mean, I then think that's art. a pretty good answer. You know, if you uh -huh. if you have if you're in a position where you have to answer that question, art is not a bad one. No. 
it's also interesting. It's that whole thing about like what you really want and you're really, you're driven to try to, to achieve this thing that you want and that because you want it so much uh, that the fear of not being able to get what you want, <laughs> the fear mm-hmm. that you're not, that it's not going to work out for you is so crippling, mm-hmm. can be so crippling. And like, like Lamont, that he's so, he's, his, he has a crippling desire for tennis fame that makes him afraid of failure. Right. And, and so he won't risk things because he doesn't want to fail. But he needs, he needs to take risks if he's going to become famous, but he can't because he's too terrified that he'll fail along the way. Mm-hmm. It's like idea mm-hmm. of, of um, it's growth mindset, right? It's like yeah. small yeah. failures are necessary to attain greater things and to really to to progress and to learn. You have to make small failures in order not to fail in the big end, whatever it is. And art making. And yeah. art making. Um, the hmm. necessity of just making a thing because realistically it's not going to be perfect. <laughs> Right. Right away. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and if you don't make it, anything, then you're then you're not making art. Then you're so. then you're not doing it right. If you're right. if you're so focused on making sure that what you that your end product, whatever that is, is perfect, then mm-hmm. you're going to be too paralyzed to start because nothing is perfect. We're never satisfied completely with things that we do or create or say or anything. Interesting. Miles so smart. Mm-hmm. I love him. I like. Mm-hmm. I like too. At some point, it says that his remarks or advice aren't always the point. Uh, yeah. The students just come. It's a. It's a cry to be heard, which is a theme that goes back to Don Gately, who's always talking about trying to really hear people. At Corbett Eugene. Hey, that was so <laughs> Corbett. Corbett, Psst. you deserve to have your tail pulled. Atley was sound asleep on ah, 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 ah. was sound asleep on the back of the couch, and Corbett Eugene came up and jumped right on top of him and kind of, you know, bit him. I don't think he oh, no. And now, and he won't go away. David, we need intervention. <laughs> We have a tableau, a frozen tableau. <laughs> Atlee's looking over his shoulder at Corbett Eugene, and Corbett won't leave. So David came and moved him away. Goodness. Sorry. sorry. Wow. It was, sorry. It was drama. And now they both want treats. That's probably why <laughs> Corbett went to get Atlee. Probably wanted to wake him up and said, hey, let's go ask for treats. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. Hey, you can't control your podcasts. Yeah. Okay, it's true. Yeah. Um, I can't. Oh, there's a thing where there, there's um, an ad for cartridges by modem. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's that's Netflix. That's like... Oh, it right, is. Mm-hmm. Right it is. as Netflix first started doing online streaming stuff. That's strikes me as very much how they were advertising. Huh. We also have... Uh, Anton Doucette, who talks to Lyle about the mole on his upper lip, mm-hmm. and, he's, and and that whole issue—it's that 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 how how people see you. It's that 
we all have disfiguring things about us and that, yeah. that Anton, otherwise known as Booger, uh, that mm-hmm. he thinks people are staring at him or else if they're not staring, that it's because they're trying really hard not to stare at him. Right. Which is the same thing as staring. Yeah. It's another catch-22. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. It is. He should join the union of the... He should. Hideously and improbably deformed? Thank you. He should. Thank you. He should. He needs a veil. Could he play tennis with a veil? You know, that would be very striking. (laughs) Honestly, I would, you know, if if conjoined twins can play tennis, I think probably somebody could, yeah, somebody could play tennis in a veil. Blind kids play tennis? Yeah. Yeah. So why doesn't Lyle suggest that? I don't know. Maybe Lyle, Lyle doesn't get out. To Mario Lyle doesn't to get out Lyle. much. He might not know about the union. Didn't he know Joelle though? Wasn't she wearing, or did she not oh, wear I a veil? Oh, I guess he would have known Joelle. Yeah. Did Joelle wear a veil when Jato yes. was alive? She yes. Did. Okay. Because she famously unveiled for him. Oh. Okay. And then lastly, we get this thing with Ortho Stice. His, uh, his bed keeps moving while he's asleep. Oh, right. Which, right. maybe it's just because I'm in this mood. I'm going <laughs> to say it. Ghosts. Poltergeists? Mm-hmm. Yeah, could be. Yeah. Because there's also, like, uh, empty tennis ball cans piled up into a pyramid that he wakes up to discover Somebody's one time. trying to speak to him yeah. from beyond the grave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or he's a sleepwalker. Yes, or very that. intense. Yeah. And, and Lyle, furniture moving Lyle tells him this story about a person that Lyle claims to know who could stand yes. on a chair and lift it while lift he was it. standing on it. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that too. I thought it was going to end up being a snake oil salesman situation. I, yeah, I thought so too. I thought it was one of those like bar bets that has some sort of a trick to it. But no, it seems as though the point of the story is that this person really could lift a chair into the air while standing on it. That's bonkers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Several meters. Yes, mm. that's a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not just hopping. No. While holding on mm-hmm. to the chair. And that... That brings us well, to the end of our well, reading the, for the there's week. There's also yeah. that the, we learned a lot about the lead up to interdependence and subsidized time in this section, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like like how things how things happened that Baltic states ap- applied to join NATO. Oh yes, uh, and then so then why a so NATO? So then why NATO? And then there were tariffs and trade wars, probably, and then to, then. Uh, Gentle said, we're not going to store any waste here. And then NATO dissolves. Mm-hmm. And so then why not a continental alone? alliance right. now, maybe? Uh-huh. Uh, and the, the Quebec separatists resist. Uh, mm-hmm. But the U.S. bullies and threatens. Uh, this also, this section with the, all the headlines and the attributions reminds mm-hmm. me of the opening titles to Monty Python and the Holy Grail. With the mm, like, yes. our, the, this is our cousin yeah. did the titles, and the and this person has been fired, and but mooses. there's a, mooses, yes. Visit fin, Sweden or Finland for the mooses, yeah. Yes. Uh, 
but there's like the uh, header from veteran but methamphetamine dependent headliner finally demoted after repeated warnings about taking up too much space. Mm-hmm. Um, 12 point subheader from demoted headliner already in Dutch downtown down in the subheader department now too. It also reminded me of the beginning of Murder on the Orient Express. Yes. Yeah. But that's because we just watched it. <laughs> I love that sequence. Have, have either of you seen the, uh, like, 74, I think, Sidney Lumet, Murder on the Orient Express with... Um, I have. I don't remember it very well. Who's in... Who's stars in it? Who are the... There's a bunch of... Well, Sean Connery Albert, is Albert in it. Finney. Sean, oh, Sean Connery oh, okay. is in it, but Albert Finney is... Is Poirot. I'm a little lukewarm on the movie as a whole, but it starts with this really gorgeous montage sequence of uh, newspaper headlines and like shots of the Lindbergh estate. And yeah, it's just really, really mm. cool. I felt like I understood sort of how Onan came to be a lot better after reading that list. Yeah. Gotta say. Yeah, for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. And how and that that Burger King and Pillsbury were awarded the rights to the new year. It sounded very uh, yeah. and some of the concerns that 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 Pizza Hut's PepsiCo filed or, uh, uh, other way around. A bid so so pil- in, in this reality, Pillsbury owns Bur- Burger King yes. and PepsiCo owns Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut, and they filed a complaint, a bid rigging complaint, uh, that they were awarded this big this big deal of naming rights, right? And then they talked about calendars and, and pre-printed printed check industry stocks soared because mm-hmm. they all had to be completely redone. Mm-hmm. And just imagine the computer complexities. You think that yeah. the year 2000 mm. was a problem? Uh, all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. having the year of the Whopper is even... It, it's it, not even it, a number. How do you do that? It's not even a number, Right. Yeah, um, how do you uh, um, abbreviate that for when you're just doing, you know, is it eleven five? Is it Y O W or Y O T W? Right. Ah, yes. That's so gross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, just because of how ugly it looks mm-hmm. in my head. <laughs> so, general proposed nationalization of entertainment, right? And entertainment apparently becomes this big a big thing because they they mention that little that little piece about prisoners escape from their cell and they don't run for the wall but for the warden's office where they can watch entertainment instead yes. of running for well, freedom. That's a, I mean that's go, that's that's ad logic. That's like TV ads are all are full of people behaving in ways that real human guess, beings don't. I guess. Ah uh, uh, yes, cars wrapped in bows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> If you yeah. ever see yeah. a car wrapped in a giant bow in real life, I don't they're know. They're filming I, a commercial? I, they're fil- I would run. I would be afraid that something really bad was about to happen. Yeah. If you ever see uh, a large number of people going out and doing their Christmas shopping and buying cars for people, that yeah. too should be alarming. What is up with that? What is yeah. that? Not just one car, but like three cars for the family. Oh, you wanted right. that color. Oh, this one is yours. Oh, but you like this one. Okay. Mm-hmm. This color. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the ugly uh, note, little note about that when Canada gave in uh, to the U.S. threats to join Onan, to agree to Onan, then part of that deal was that they moved the nukes from Manitoba to a North Dakota Indian reservation. 
Yep, that, oh. that tracked. That, that sounded tracks, very uh, realistic. Uh, and then there's the thing about uh, uh, doctors were trying to remove the railroad spike from the PM's right eye. What was uh, that yes. in reference that, to? Well, that's, so that's uh, uh, a tabloidish headline from New York Daily News. So I kind of read that as either. So it mentions that in this montage. But there is montage, a new PM then after this. Is there? There is. It says Canada and Mexico threatened into agreeing the U.S. president becomes the chairman of ONAN, the Mexican president, and the new Canadian PM huh. are the are the co-vice chairs. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't so know. The, Maybe the then. PM, the Although, Canadian PM was killed with a well, railroad spike I'm, through his I'm eye. Skeptical, was that the, was that I'm the skeptical because assassins? this is a headline from the New York Daily News. It could be. But this is also a headline from the New York Daily News, which is a, a tabloid that is, like all tabloids, famous for making up fake things and printing them. Yes. Um, and also, it mentions earlier, I forget where, that the title, the, the news montage incorporates real news and, and like, fictionalized bits. Uh-huh. And that that's a, that's mm. a technique that James O. used as well. Uh-huh. Excuse me. I think the term you're looking for is fake news. Fake news. Mm. Mm-hmm. It says it in the book, Andrew. Does it actually fake say news. fake news? It does. Oh wow. Oh no. I missed that. This is Means really a different alarming. thing these days, I think. It does. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then there's the funny uh there's the funny thing uh the US OUS. What is that? Office US of Unspecified Unsus- Services. Yeah. Uh had reported a dirty trick. The dirty trick, where the presidential office was littered with Kleenex and dental floss. I think they were saying that it, the that report was a dirty trick and a falsehood. Uh, fake news. To, that was fake yes. News. They they were they were decrying the fake news that okay. that was happening to the Oval mm. Office. Hologra- this was interesting. The holography makes ultra toxic fusion gambit safe for workers and community. So was that James O's invention? Was that the what hologra- he did? Yeah, I don't the know what to make of that. James O didn't in- ultra I, James O invented fusion. annular fusion. Well, so or did he may he, have also invented other things. It, you couldn't annular fusion in a usable form is not possible if it kills workers and the people who live in the community. So the understanding I wonder, I that I have of this is that annular fusion had been going on for a while at this point and generating lots of waste. So I don't know how holography figures into this. Also, I don't know how holography has anything to do with anything. Well, it's, it's not something that light, I understand right? very well. I don't understand. Yeah, it involves like, but you'd think like it would be something 3D James photography o would kind of that James O would understand. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it also sounds to me like, you know, the the governor of some Republican state saying that if you stand six feet away from other people, then it's OK to go to bars. You know, like it it yeah. sounds to me like I would be suspicious of this claim from the Department of Energy. So they just have mm-hmm. this thing that they say it's fit false reassurance. It's like Trump saying it's safe to open schools. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's fine that your tap water catches on fire. Fracking is safe. Right. 
that thing. Don't underestimate objects. Mm-hmm. This is going to... I think we have to think about that. We also Do have to not think about underestimate the, objects. The thing that made me think of, of just on face dumb Facebook thing was the little the little blurb Canada must feel like they live in an apartment above a meth lab. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I find that I mean they've got their own problems, apt. I will say. Yeah. They do. <laughs> but I think we're more of a mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it really shows that when you look at global cooperation, if you lose the ability to assume good intentions from all the different players, it's really tough to make anything good, really good happen. Like having to form alliances with others who are not at all interested in your best interest. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And yet you you find yourself in situations where you don't have a choice, kind of. It must have connections to Eschaton. Mm. We don't know what's going to happen to those kids. No. We don't know what has mm. happened to a bunch of them. We don't know them. what has happened. Are some of them, like, seriously injured? There's some reference to some serious injuries in yeah. one of the end notes. Isn't somebody wearing a bandage? Yeah. Did I make that um, up? No, it, it was... That is Kitten Plan, yeah. <laughs> I hope someday you have a cat named Kitten Plan. So in the end note that mentions that Avril knows about the Eschaton thing yeah. and CT doesn't, it mentions serious injuries for Lord Ingersoll and Penn. Oh, okay. Okay. Which one? Lord was the one that was the, the like, moder- like the... He was God. Guy. He was God, yeah. the game master, mm-hmm. yeah. He's the one who ended up headfirst through the monitor. Yeah, yeah, and Ingersoll, mm-hmm. I think, was the one who Threw hit the, the tennis ball, tarted, started the fight. Started it. Mm-hmm. And Penn is the brother of the person oh, right. that, that uh, yeah. Emulus hates, has yes. it out for. What a mess. What a mess. What mm-hmm. a mess. And CT is getting ready for Helen steeply to come and do an interview. That should be... Avril somehow thinks that that's going to work out well for them which is hard to imagine why she would think that i suspect that she has some ulterior motive i don't know what it could possibly be yeah but something her reasoning behind letting the interview happen seemed so lame and so yeah and so not and so kind of trusting and like it'll all work out that doesn't sound at all like avril Mm -hmm. does anyone have anything they'd like to announce or plug Um, As always, if you're interested in checking me out and my paintings, you can visit me on Instagram at CardboardVV. If you want to see my homage to Peter Greenway's early films, you can watch my short film Fallcaster at agingrick.com. And if you're interested in Peter Greenway, I cannot recommend his three-hour mockumentary opus The Falls highly enough. Actually, it was really fun. It's surprisingly fun for a three-hour or three-hour, twenty-five-minute fake documentary. <laughs> mm. I don't have anything to plug except cats. Be nice to all cats. Be and nice to cats. Yeah. They have cute little ears. So, in two weeks, we'll be talking about pages three ninety-five to four eighteen. Our music is by David Nichols. You can listen to his podcast, The Land of Random, on Spotify. Thanks for listening. You have gorgeous souls.
Hey, Vinny, I'm hearing a lot of breathing noise in your mic. If you could Ooh. change your grip or, yeah. or back off from yeah, it a little absolutely. bit. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. We're glad you're breathing. Yes, it's we very are. good oh, to thank breathe. Thank you. Proof yeah. of life is always so mm-hmm. good.